0: All right hey, well good morning. Uh, my name is Fritz Below. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community, and I do want to just welcome everybody here today, uh, especially um, our guests uh, who are here in the house, and then want to say good morning and welcome to Bluffton Community and our crew in Fostoria, as well as anyone else joining us online. And uh, also, you might be watching this a little bit later in the week, and we're glad you're with us, and uh, we know that actually a lot of people will join us online before they join us in person, so we're looking forward to connecting with you here really, really soon. Uh, my wife, Christina, and I, uh, we enjoy watching a show about a, a pawn shop in Las Vegas. And uh, <laughs> and uh, if you're not familiar with the show, it's like the same thing every time, right? Like somebody brings in something, uh, they don't really know what it is, so they bring in an expert, and then the expert, you know, then you get into the negotiation of what this thing is worth. And so uh, Christina and I like to, you know, debate like, oh, they're going to offer this, or they're going to, you know, they're going to pay this much for it, or, or all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things... I enjoy most about the show uh, are some moments like this. Uh, Somebody comes in and they bring this family heirloom that has been passed down throughout their family for the last 142 generations and and they're you know coming to sell this thing for tens of thousands of dollars and so they bring in the expert and the expert looks at that over and he points out a few things that are very nice and he appreciates it about it and then he says something like this, this piece is actually worth about thirty dollars, right? Like uh, this is your average garden gnome you can pick up at Big Lots. Uh, so you know, a, I would not pay any more than five for this. Uh, and so I don't. I love that. <laughs> Those I love. I don't know. I'm a bad person. I just. I. It's like yes, you are. You are a bad person. Uh, so, but uh, I know this. Like we all. We want the authentic right? We want the genuine. We want the real. And so some people are well-meaning and, and they don't realize that their treasured heirloom is a $30 gnome from Big Lots, right? They just trusted what other people said. Uh, but then there's others who know that what they have is not genuine and they work really, really hard to try to convince everybody else that what they have is the real thing. So, for example, uh, when the Roman Empire was kind of taking over the centralized area of the world, and especially the areas around uh, Greece, in the process, they destroyed a lot of the art pieces um, in Greece. And then uh, as the empire grew, they moved away from war and uh, moved more to appreciating culture. And so a lot of people wanted to collect these uh, ancient Greek treasures, right, statues, statues, Uh, vases, vases, I don't know, however you say it, but anyways, um, but uh, what uh, happens is because of all the battle, a lot of these were cracked, right? They're broken, and so what you would have happen if there were cracks in a vase or something like that, a dishonest dealer would take wax and fill the cracks and the broken areas with wax, and then shape it so that it looked like it was a whole unbroken piece. Um, and, And then what he would do is he would sell this as a genuine, perfect artifact, so, you know, you're coming and you want to get that ancient Greek vase and you go and you buy one and you take it home and you put it in your garden. And then the next really warm sunny day, you're walking through your garden and you're enjoying it and all of a sudden you look at your vase and wax is running out the side of this thing that you just bought. And so what happened is because that was becoming more and more common is the reputable dealers would start uh, putting the word the Latin word sincerus on their work, uh, right? So we get our word sincere. And sincerest literally means without wax, right? There's no wax in this thing. Uh, this is one whole piece, right? This is authentic, and this is genuine. And so uh, I think that drives home for us that, you know, like we really want the real, right? Whether it's an art piece whether it's a friendship, um, we want it to be real, we want it to be genuine, we want it to be authentic. And I think especially when it comes to faith, right? Like we want real faith in our own lives, and we want real genuine faith for the other people around us as well. Because if it's not real, I mean, think about it, what's the point? I mean, I don't want to waste my point, or I don't want to waste my time on stuff that's make-believe, I don't want to waste your time on stuff that's not real either, And so what I love about Jesus is Jesus invites us into real faith, right? He invites us into genuine faith, like a real faith that really matters, right? And it makes a real difference in the lives of every single person that Jesus touches. And I think that's one of the reasons that we spend a lot of time here at Lighthouse Community trying to look at the scriptures and point to the real thing. Right? We want to point to what the Bible reveals as genuine faith, because we're we're just not interested in gaming anyone, right? Like like you know, keeping people busy until Jesus comes back with like you know made up projects and stuff like that. Um, you know, like you you want the real thing. I want the real thing, like real faith, genuine faith. And you want to know the real Jesus. You want to live with the joy that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And and that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would experience the real Jesus, the real joy of. Of walking with him by faith. Experience all of that and then go on and share that with other people, right? And disciple uh, other people too. And so as Amy mentioned, I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or you can click over there on your devices. We're actually in a series we're launching today called uh, You Asked For It. And so what we did uh, over the last few weeks is we were sending out messages and, and receiving uh, questions from you uh, that maybe you've always wondered about God or or life, or the Bible, uh, but you never had an opportunity to ask it, and so this was that opportunity. And so many of you submitted thoughtful questions. Uh, thank you for that. We really appreciate it. So what our teaching team did was we, we gathered these questions, and we prayed over um, some of the different ones, and we decided uh, to tackle what seemed like two really uh, critical topics uh, this week and ne- next week. And so what we're diving in today is we're answering the question, what does genuine faith look like, right? What does genuine faith look like? Now, we had a number of questions that they might not have been worded that exact way, but you know, like when somebody asks a question, there's always like the question behind the question that they're really asking. So there was a number of questions that they were asking, um, but it was really this question, right? So the, the question out front was things like this, um, how can I be sure that I'm saved, Uh, Questions like, can I know what happens after I die? Um, There's another question. Is a lukewarm Christian even a Christian at all? Right? And then there were others, but they're all kind of pointing to this idea of, what does genuine faith really mean? look like? And so maybe you've asked similar questions, but we're going to jump in and see what the Bible has to say about genuine faith in Christ. So uh, if you are at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 15. We're just going to read a couple passages here. And this is from the English Standard Version. Uh, This is what it says. And he, meaning Christ, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come." And so Paul wrote this letter to Christians in Corinth. And so this Corinthian church was actually dealing with our question. Right? They're like wrestling with that. When you look at First and Second Corinthians, that comes up fairly consistently. And the question is like, what does real faith look like? Right? Because in their church family, they had some people that really were, seemed to be genuine believers. They loved Christ. They're following him. They're, they're you know, experiencing everything that goes with that. And then there seemed like there were others who were kind of like, I don't know, Just kind of playing a game. Um, This was kind of more for show or not even for show, right? They were just like a part of it and doing like whatever they wanted to do. And then you had other people that they were just confused. Like, I don't know what this looks like. What does this mean? And so what Paul does right here in this passage is he exposed real faith very clearly. Now, here's the first reality of real faith that we see right here in this passage. And it's this, real faith in Christ always leads to new life, okay? Let me say that again. That's really important. Real faith in Christ always leads to new life. Now, this new life that we're invited into is completely different from our old lives, right? It's like this total reorientation, this totally different approach to living. It's new values. It's new priorities. It's new desires. And so typically... If someone gets tripped up when they're thinking about faith, right, like genuine faith, this is usually at the place where they start to get tripped up, right, when it comes to saying yes to Jesus, because what you'll have people do is they make the assumption that new life in Christ is about Jesus giving them a better life, right? I screwed up my life really poorly, really bad, and Jesus is going to give me a better one. Or they make the assumption that when I say yes to Jesus, what he's going to do is actually make me a better version of myself. And so now I'll be happier, and I'll be more successful, and I'll do all of these things, right? And so usually this is where people get tripped up, if they do, when it comes to faith. But you have to understand, like those things, there's, that's not what Jesus came to do. That, that falls so short for why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to, to give you a better life. He didn't come to make you a better version of yourself. You know why Jesus came? He came to make you new. He came to make you new. And that's so vastly different than being better. And, and here's the thing, even like some, some of us came to faith very early uh, in our lives, right? Uh, I know some people, they came to faith when they're four years old or when they're eight years old. And so some of you guys, you go, I came to faith when was early. I don't really remember what my life was like before I met Jesus, right? I don't really have this, you know, massive before. And so uh, actually uh, people in that situation, they kind of go, I don't really have this meaningful story you know, of faith to share with other people, because I wasn't out, like, you know, dealing heroin, and, you know, giving purple nurples to puppies, and, you know, things like that. Like, I, that wasn't my life before Jesus, and so I don't I didn't have this massive, you know, transition. But here's the thing. Christ in you and that new life isn't really only about you. Do you know that? It's, do you know who the hero of your story is? It's not you figuring it out and getting better. You know who the hero of your story is? It's Christ. Christ is the hero. And so if you've been invited and you've said yes and, and, and you're living a new life in Christ, you have an amazing story because the story's about Christ who redeemed you, who changed you, who saved you and forgave you, right? And so no matter what age you came to faith, real faith in Christ always leads to this new life. And that, that's the heart, right? That's the heart of this new life in Christ. If you look at verse 15, it says this. Uh, he died, meaning Christ, he died for everyone so that, okay? So he's showing you the purpose of, of why Jesus did what he did. So that those who receive his new life, this is a kicker, you ought to underline this, you ought to make a note, this is really important, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. That's the heartbeat of this new life in Christ. That's the result of genuine faith in Jesus. Think about this. The Apostle Paul, okay, some of you know a story, some of you might not be familiar with it, but here's the gist of it. One day, the Apostle Paul was out killing Christians, and then he met Jesus. And then he started making Christians under the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, right? One day, Peter is out. He's just a fisherman. And then after meeting Jesus, he becomes a fisher of men for the gospel. Matthew, right? Matthew was a tax collector, right? Same in their days, it is in ours. Nobody likes people from the IRS, okay? Sorry if you're one. Uh, You know. Uh, But anyways, Matthew, right? He's a tax collector. He's defrauding people. He's like cheating people out of money. And after meeting Jesus, Matthew gave away the gift of the gospel with amazing generosity, right? Do you see, do you see that to be in Christ is a total reorientation of life? It's wildly new that you no longer live for yourself. In fact, you live for Christ. Why? Why is it that way? Well, part of the reason is this, is that this, Christ lived for you. But then he takes that a step further and Christ died for you. And then he goes even further, and Jesus was raised to new life for you, right? Like Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of that, right? It's, it's the end result is for you. See, you and I have this debt called sin, and our debt is so remarkably high and so remarkably offensive that you could never take care of this debt by yourself right so jesus debt or excuse me jesus death paid the debt that you owed that's called mercy by the way just to give a quick little definition of that so his death paid for your debt But then Jesus' resurrection actually opens up the door for a healthy relationship with God. That's called grace, by the way, right? So you've got mercy and grace through his death and resurrection. And so what happens is this. Jesus' death and his life is death and resurrection. Do you know what it does there? Jesus puts up the banner, welcome home, right? All you who are weary of trying to figure this thing out by yourself... Come to me. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Right, I've taken care of everything. Mercy, grace, death, resurrection. Now, knowing that, right, knowing that truth is critical. But knowledge alone doesn't save. Knowledge alone will not bring salvation to anybody. But knowing that is critical. Also, agreeing with this truth is really, really important. But agreeing with it doesn't bring salvation, like true salvation in the lives of anybody. See, here's what genuine faith is, where it begins. Genuine faith is your intentional decision to depend on Christ to save you. That's, that's the beginning of genuine faith, to depend on Christ to save you. It's your response to to what he has done for you. And so real faith is trusting Jesus to save you and to make you new, right? That's, this is what verse 17 is talking about, right? It says that anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, and that's true, okay? We're gonna talk about it in a second, but also what I wanna say first is the opposite of that is true. Here's what I mean. Then this is the second reality about real faith. It's this, if you're not in Christ, you're not new, If you're not in Christ, you're not new, okay? So what that means is if you haven't made the decision to depend on Christ to forgive you and to lead your life, then you're still spiritually dead, right? Like you're still under God's wrath. You're still under the weight of your sin debt that's racked up so high and so offensive, right? That's still there. If you refuse to trust in Christ, then the old things have not passed away and the new has not come. Right? That's true. And so the old things, right, they're alive and well. Your sin is ever before you, staring you in the face. Death lurks with this sense of impending doom and hopelessness. And so what has to happen is you've got to figure out how to not die. Right? So it's like you do the Pilates, you know, and you drink all the kale juice, and you get the bubble wrap suit, you know, and you do all those things to do whatever you can to not die. Because death, it's coming. And that's the thing that brings an end to all of it. Because you haven't been forgiven. And you haven't experienced mercy. And you don't have grace. Because if you're not in Christ, there's no welcome home party. And that's no good. Right? Like, that's the challenging side of that. But here's the third reality of faith, right? So if you're not in Christ, you're not new. But here's the third reality. If you are in Christ, you are new. (laughs) If you are in Christ, then you are new. Let's do this. Uh, Let's look at uh, uh, yeah, 517. Let's read this passage actually out loud together with lots of joy and enthusiasm, knowing what all is behind that, starting with therefore. Are you ready? go. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Oh, baby. right? Like That's the good news right there. That's fantastic. And so what happens is when you say yes to Jesus' invitation to put your trust in him as your forgiver and your leader, what this is talking about is saying you're reborn. You're reborn. You're renewed. By the Holy Spirit in your life. The old is dead. You're not under God's wrath anymore. Your sin debt is paid, and you're actually alive for the very first time. And you're alive forever. It doesn't ever end. It continues, right? And so think about this. When you say yes to Jesus, your greatest need has been met and fulfilled in Christ alone. Right? All of that's wrapped up in there. And so your new life, like we talked about before, it's really different than your old life. In fact, your new life is marked by some pretty amazing realities. Probably the most important one is this. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God, is now living inside of you. That's probably the most central one about being forgiven and made new in Christ is that the Holy Spirit is now living in you. Actually, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul writes this. He says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when, listen, look, look. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit check this out, is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he, was, uh, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify him. And so when the Holy Spirit is in you, that means you belong to God. You are his. His. And he is yours, right? Like, think about that. Now, some of you, you might be asking the question, well, how do I, how do I know if the Holy Spirit is in me, right? Well, there's one level where it's like, you just know. <laughs> like, I can't fully, if, there's no way to explain it until you've experienced. Like, you just, you just know that the Holy Spirit is in you. But there is a second way that you begin to know that the Spirit is in you, and it's this, right? You start to witness your own life being transformed. You start to witness your own life being changed. That's what Romans 12 talks about. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Check this out. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit, what he does is he transforms your thinking. He transforms your desires. You start to realize that you're increasing in your love for other people, you're decreasing in your own self-centeredness, right, and selfishness. Uh, the Holy Spirit actually places a desire within you to uh, live in obedience to God's leadership. But not only does he place a desire, he also gives you the ability to live under God's leadership in your life too. Do you, Paul gives this kind of lifestyle a name. Do you know what Paul, it's in Galatians, Do you know what he calls this kind of transformation? He gives it like this kind of title. Anybody happen to know what it is? It's in Galatians 5. He calls it this, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he labels it, right? In Galatians 5, 22 through 23. He's like, if the Spirit's in you, you start to grow in love. You start to grow in kindness. You start to grow in joy. You start to grow in things like long-suffering, in kindness, in, in, uh, in obedience. Like All of these things begin to just well out of your life. Why? Because the Spirit's living in you, and that's what he does. And so new life in Christ always comes with new life, right? This new way of living. By the way, this has always been the plan. Did you know that? This has always been the plan. Sometimes people like to put this like, differentiating piece between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Like, well, God's one way in the Old Testament, but he's another way in the New Testament. You know, uh, Some people even go so far as like, well, I think it might be two gods. Right? He's a really angry one in the Old Testament. And then they're like, hey, come, it's, it's happy grandpa. You know. And so uh, it's like, no, no, no. It's same God, right? Beginning to end, same person. Because in Ezekiel chapter 36, look at what God says in Ezekiel 36. This is God speaking, by the way. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Check this out. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will, I love this part, I will take out your old, your stony, stubborn heart. Throw it down, smash it, and all that kind of, you know. But anyway, sorry. Uh, And I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This has been God's intentions and plan from the get-go, is that you'd get a new heart and you'd get his spirit living within you. And so when you say yes to Jesus, God gives you that new heart. God places his spirit in you. And listen, that's the real deal. That's the genuine thing. You can't fake that. Like, as hard As much as you want to, you can't fake this kind of transformation, no matter how hard you try. Because if you're in Christ, you're new, and new life always comes with genuine faith in Christ. Now, if you are in Christ, let me encourage you with this idea. This is actually a next step on the back of your connection card. um, And we're going to unpack this uh, in just a moment. But uh, you might take this next step of this. Identifying ways that God is changing me and then celebrate him. Right? Like look for the... Because God's always transforming you. And so look for the ways he's changing you and then celebrate him. Right? Thank him. Worship him. Right? All of those. Uh, Tell others about the ways he's growing you, right? Uh, Point it out and thank him. By the way, it's not boasting. Some of you guys, I think that would be drawing attention to me. No, it's not boasting. You know what this actually is when you say, God is changing my desires. God is changing my actions. God is changing my lives. That's not boasting. You know what that's called? It's called worship. (laughs) It's worshiping God for what he's doing in you. It's also a way to tell others about how real the gospel is. You know, I used to be this way, now God's doing this in my life. And so new life, right, like just celebrate what God is doing in you. Now it brings up a practical question that some of you may have, right? And the question is this, well, how do I become a Christian? Or how do I put my faith in Jesus Christ? Well, what I did was, I, it's not great, but I created this little drawing that I think might be helpful, and we're going to kind of walk through this for just a second. So, um, so we got this drawing. This is just to give a quick uh, illustrative idea of what new life, like the progression of new life in Christ. And so the reality is this, right? We all, everybody, everybody starts out dead in your sin, right? Like we just, that is how we come uh, in our packaging. So we're dead in our sin, we're separated from God, we're living life for ourselves, right? That's the first part of 2 Corinthians 5, 15. So that's that side. But here's what's amazing. Even in our sin, God is speaking to us. And why is he speaking to us? He's trying to make the gospel, not trying, he's making the gospel very clear, clear to us and he's drawing us to himself, right? Even while we're dead in sin, God is drawing you, to himself and then there's like this amazing moment when the Holy Spirit actually wakes up our spirits and we see the gospel and the reality of it for the very first time and he gives us the ability to say yes so that's what that green star is right it's like yes to Jesus this is the moment where right like I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ now all kinds of amazing things happen at this green star moment Uh, the first is this is faith and repentance Okay? Here's what faith is. Faith is the decision to trust Jesus. That's what faith is. And repentance is this. Sorrow and rejection over life lived for myself. That's what repentance is, right? It's going, man, I used to live life by my own rules, under my own plan, under my own ability. That was dumb. I don't want to do that ever again, right? So when you look at belief, when you look at faith and repentance, uh, some people kind of go, well, which one happens first? Do you come to faith and then you repent?" Or do you repent and then you come to faith? And you know what the answer is? Yes. Right? Like that's the answer. Right? They almost happen simultaneously. Right? It's like as you're realizing who Christ is, you're going, wow, this what you know what it is? It's a light bulb moment, right? You're like flicking on the switch, and faith and repentance almost becomes clear. So I remember for me when I said yes to Jesus um, as a 16-year-old kid, it almost happened simultaneously where it was so painfully obvious that Jesus was the best thing ever, and at the same time, everything else seems stupid. Right? Like, that's, that's what became so clear for me. And so faith and repentance take place. Like, they're two sides of the same coin. They happen simultaneously. And by the way, everybody experiences this green star moment, this yes moment, just a little bit differently, right? And so for some people, when they say yes to Jesus, they feel this overwhelming joy. Like, they say yes, and they're just, wow! And then other people, when they say yes, they sense this great weight that's being lifted off of them. Uh, Others, they see things with greater clarity than ever before. Some, when they say yes, they walk away saying, I just, man, I feel really different right now. And then there's others who say yes to Jesus legitimately and genuinely, and they feel nothing. They actually don't, like, feel anything going on. This is really important to catch. You are not saved because you feel saved. You need to know that. You're not saved because you feel saved. We're saved because of the truth of what Christ has done for us and what Christ has done in us. That's how we come to faith. And so there are days when you will not feel close to God. There are days when you will not feel like a believer. It doesn't mean you're not, because every day we're living by faith, and every day we're living by truth of who God is, right? And so what happens is faith and repentance take place, and when that happens immediately, you're forgiven of all your sin. Past, Present, future, right? All of it. And then, right, at the exact same time, the Holy Spirit enters into your very being. By the way, it's all of them. Not like some of them are partial, or like all of that, and then you need more later. You get, you get them, right? Like you get the Holy Spirit in that moment. And when the Holy Spirit's in you, right, you go to Ephesians. What does that mean? Well, it means you've now been adopted as God's Son. You've now been adopted as God's daughter, and you're a new creation. You're alive. You're alive for the first time, right? Think about this. All that happens right there in that green star moment. In, in the right? Like, just like that, it takes place. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. And then, from that moment on, right, the Holy Spirit's transforming your life right? He's, he's transforming your life. He's growing you into the character of Jesus. Sin and self-reliance are decreasing. Love for God and others is increasing. And you're always taking steps of growth in this life, right? Like you're always battling against sin in this life. You're always confessing. You're always repenting. You're always rejoicing. You're always obeying. You're always trusting God all the way through the rest of your life walking with him. In some moments, you get it really wrong. And some days you get it really, really right. And then there's this special day, you die. (laughs) And it's the greatest moment of your existence because now I'm going to be with God in all of his glory and nothing will separate me from him in any way whatsoever again, right? That's when real life begins, (laughs) And so as you're experiencing these moments, celebrate them, right? Like if God is speaking to you, tell somebody. Um, if, If you just said yes to Jesus and now you're new in Christ, like share that with someone else. Or better yet, take the first step of obedience in following Jesus and get baptized, right? Like that's a great step. If the Holy Spirit's reshaping your desires, share that with your small group right tell your friend i mean let's celebrate what god is doing in our lives because when you're in christ you're new and so i just encourage you right like point to the new that god's doing in you and celebrate him for it it's just absolutely amazing and so what does genuine faith look like well let me land here let me tell you what it doesn't look like genuine faith is not living under fear constantly asking the question Am I really saved? Right? That's not genuine faith. Um, Genuine faith is not falling for the trap of trying to be a better person or trying to be more disciplined, right? Genuine faith is not basing your relationship with God on feelings alone. Genuine faith is not trying to fill in the cracks with wax so that nobody knows. Let me tell you what real faith is. Real faith is hearing God's voice speak to you through scripture, through prayer, through other growing disciples speaking into your life. Real faith is enjoying God's grace, right? Real faith is taking meaningful steps of growth as the Holy Spirit is transforming you and leading your life. Real faith is discovering the spiritual gifts that God has given to you and using them to serve other people inside the church and outside of the church, right? Like real faith is jumping on board with God in his mission to rescue people from sin and from death. Real faith is your heart moving away from living life for yourself, and instead, you live life for the one who bought you back from, from sin. Real faith will change your life. It has to. That's exactly what Jesus does. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, And I want you to ask this question to Jesus. And simply this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now through this message? And I want to give you an opportunity to listen. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to every person in here this morning but I do believe this deeply um, that with the clarity of the scriptures and what we've talked about this morning um, some of you are actually putting in front of yourself this is what the Bible says is real faith this seems to be where I'm at today and they don't seem like they line up And literally, right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's drawing you to himself. And you're seeing the gospel with clarity that you've never seen with this level of clarity before. And it's filling you with joy and you're excited about it. And so, here's what I want to do that's God drawing you to himself and inviting you to say yes to Jesus. And so, I'm not going to draw this out, I'm not going to make it any longer. Because you know if God's speaking to you. No amount of time makes that more or less clear. And so if you're here this morning, if you're joining us here in the house, if you're joining us online, either one's fine. And you're like, man, I am at the place. I am ready to say yes to Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to count backwards from three. And I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand up so I can know to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm not going to ask you to out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you're online, we'd love for you to let us know somehow, right? You can just do it in the comments. You can send us a message, whatever it is. When I count down from three, um, just raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Maybe for the first time in my life. So three, two, one. If that's you, just raise your hand here in the house, wherever you're at. Father, we are so grateful that you have put this amazing offer in front of us. Thank you for letting us enjoy it. Thank you for drawing us to yourself through Jesus Christ. We love you and we worship you. You're the only one who's worthy of it and the only one who deserves it. And so continue, Holy Spirit, to draw us to yourself. Continue, Holy Spirit, to transform us into the character and the likeness of Jesus. May we know you and may we trust you more and more. We ask these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things we do here at Lighthouse is uh, usually one Sunday a month, um, we uh, celebrate communion. And so we're going to do that right now. Um, And as we're getting ready for that, let me give you a couple of instructions uh, because this may be your first time for celebrating communion at Lighthouse. Uh, The first thing is this, is this is a real-time remembrance of what Christ, right? His death and his resurrection, it's this overwhelming reminder um, that we get in a tangible way, right? You're like, you're, you're feeling the cup, you're, you're tasting the bread, right? It's being crushed between your teeth the same way that Christ was crushed under the wrath of God, right? We're like drinking the juice, which is a representation of his blood being poured out for us, Right? for the forgiveness of our sins. And so this is a very real reminder. Um, and so, yes, it's a reminder. And at the same time, it's like this supernatural moment where the Holy Spirit is uh, growing us through it and nourishing our souls. Through it. It's an amazing moment. And so uh, here we have what's known as open communion. And that means you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community to celebrate communion with us today. Uh, what we would say is this, is you do need to be a member of Uh, the family of God. You need to have been adopted by Jesus Christ, right? The Holy Spirit living in you as a son of the King, as a daughter of the King. Because scripture says that those who eat and drink uh, the uh, Lord's Supper outside of faith, right? In this unworthy way, they're actually eating and drinking judgment upon themselves. We don't want anybody to do that. And so uh, here's what I think are two choices uh, for you. If you're, uh, well, three choices. If you are a believer, in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward and receive those. I would encourage you to do that. Um, Even if you celebrated communion last week, uh, you should do it again today. Um, But if you're not in the family, here's the two choices one, um, as other people come forward, like uh, stay in your seat. That is totally a great decision because um, we don't want anybody uh, to, to eat and drink judgment on themselves. But the other decision could be this. Right now, you could decide to put your faith in Jesus Christ and say yes to him. Um, and then come and celebrate your very first Lord's Supper with your family uh, in Christ. And so I'm going to ask Ian and Savannah, uh, if they'll come forward, they're going to be serving uh, communion to us as a family this morning. Um, So what they're going to do is they're going to be placed at the uh, openings of the rows here and here. And uh, after I'm done praying, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up, uh, walk to the front, and you're gonna grab two cups out of the tray. They're stacked on top of each other. One has the juice, and the one underneath has the bread in it, so make sure you grab two. And then uh, exit out to the side and return to your row that way. And then wait to take communion until all of us, and uh, we'll take that together. So let me pray, and then I wanna invite you to come forward. Uh, Father, may this be a moment not done out of religion. Um, Not done out of tradition, but rather done out of joy. Done out of deep gratitude for what you have accomplished that we never could have done for ourselves. And so may this be a moment that draws us closer to you by faith because of the grace you've poured out on our behalf. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us.